Hi there, everybody. This is Tracy Malone from NarcissistAbuseSupport.com. Today, we're going to be talking about spiritual narcissists. You know the type. They could be pastors, clergy, rabbis. They could be people in a church role. They could be people that are claiming to be spiritual and not necessarily religious. And when they are claiming this, this devout spirituality, um, they are somehow more evolved because they've got this like speed dial to God or spirit. And the abuse that people endure when they are going through the, the religious spiritual kind of abuse is, is amplified because of the power that comes with that um, stamp of goodness from God. They are using that power to manipulate people, to guilt them and to cause problems for them. If this is who you have been with or you're trying to figure it out, um, my next guest is Julie Ann Shapiro. She's from the UK. She was with a spiritual narcissist and she got out and she's okay now. So today we're going to talk to her, find out what her journey was like and how her journey can help you get to the other side of this. Thank you, Julie Ann, so much for joining me. Oh, thank you. It's lovely to be here. Thank you. Well, you have an interesting story about spiritual narcissists. I, I believe that you were married to one. So can you tell us a little bit about what a spiritual narcissist is? And then we'll get into some of your story. Well, um, a spiritual narcissist is somebody that um, uses either religious or spiritual principles um, to their own ends to manipulate and control. So um, they can be highly intelligent people, very, very well read and versed on um, either religion or spirituality. Um, they may hold a high standing in the community. They may hold a position of authority um, in the in something spiritual like a therapist of some kind or a healer um, you know that kind of thing but they're really using that position um, and those present principles to manipulate and control um, you know they're very clever they're very very clever um, did you want me to go into my story a little bit Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, you know, we've we've talked before for your channel, and um, I, I I know that your story is going to um, help a lot of other people. So yeah, let's start off. So, who was the spiritual narcissist in your life? So let me start off by saying that um, you know my father was a narcissist. Um, my mother was highly, highly codependent. Um, and um, my mother later left my, my father and got involved in a religious cult that was full of narcissists. And I just want to say this kind of to give some background because it ties in very, um, you know, that I didn't realize actually until I had the, the experience with the narcissistic husband because it really, it really does tie into that. Um, so I always really struggled. I left home at 16. I really struggled, particularly in relationships. Um, 
you know, I had felt very unloved, very unsafe, very undeserving. And all of my deepest insecurities and the trauma of my childhood would come up with each relationship that I had. And, um, you know, uh, I went on to do a huge amount of inner work. And in fact, um, I'm from the UK, as you can hear. And in uh, 2007, I left the UK to in line with the commitment that I made to really change my experience of relationship. And I start, I went to America, I left the UK for America to work with mentors and coaches in the field of relationship and really did a huge amount of inner work. And I set an intention to meet the love of my life and my husband, well, I did, meet who I thought was the love of my life um, at the end of 2009. He was very, very different from anybody I'd ever met before. He was very attentive, very loving, very caring, very kind. He was deeply interested in spirituality and personal growth and seemed very much on his own path. Um, and having had a very religious upbringing, I was very, very interested in spirituality and consciousness as opposed to organized religion. So this was one of the things that really attracted me to him. We were married very quickly, as you know, is kind of one of the things with, uh, that we'll talk about later on. But yes, we were married very quickly, within six months. And... Um, and then things started to really change. If I look back now, I can see red flags before we were married, but it became very obvious once we were married. And um, he kind of set himself up as my spiritual teacher. And, um, you know, and it was just, Every, um, he had a way of twisting and maneuvering every conversation um, to include these spiritual principles that they were manipulated in such a way that I thought I was going crazy. And um, I started to become very, very small. I started to walk on eggshells. Um, I felt as though I was going insane. And it's very, very insidious because the spiritual principles in of themselves are beautiful. Yes, and they hold a lot of truth. But they, they were used in such a way um, to confuse me and control me. Um, and whenever I tried to interject, and my intuition would be screaming out at me that something's very off here, something is very wrong here. But whenever I questioned him, he would say that, you know, all of this was happening for my evolution and that this was all in the name of God. And, um, you know, and God is a very powerful thing when we hear that. It's a very powerful, it's like, how do you fight against something so powerful? And I just became smaller and smaller and smaller. And 
I really just lost myself. I just became like a blip in the corner um, and just had no voice um, and no rights. And I thought that if I could just hold on in there and I was terrified of losing my marriage after everything that I had been through as well to <laughs> my marriage had left the UK and made this huge commitment and done all this inner work and, you know, and uh, but I just there came a time when I when I did leave I really had to leave I was I had I, I had been you know I was very very isolated I was getting very sick I, I was just completely lost myself um, and I did come out of it and uh, it wasn't until about a year later I actually went to Bali I went from California to Bali um, and it was about a year later that I read a book all about narcissistic abuse and it was only then that I really realised what had happened to me mm. and um, yeah and I found a way to heal and that was really getting into my body and releasing the trauma that I'm sure we'll get into um, and really um you know, when I really started to make the connections between my marriage and my childhood and, you know, and I, I realized that my father was a narcissist and my mother was highly codependent and I had taken on my mother's severe codependency and given myself away to abusers in the same way that she gave me away to an abuser, to abusers. And um, it was really in going inside to release the trauma and to heal up those gaps of codependency that had allowed the narcissist to enter into my life that I really came home to myself mm -hmm. and, um, you know, and really connected with the little girl inside me in a, in a, on a much much deeper and more profound way than I had ever previously done despite all the inner work that I had that I had done I had never really addressed it on a body trauma level and we can't think our way out of trauma you know there's no way we can talk or think our way out of trauma we really have to get into our bodies and so that's, that's what I did. And, um, you know, now I support other women. And I have to say that I'm just so grateful. I'm so, so grateful. I never thought I would say this because I honestly thought I was going to die. When I went to Bali, I was my panic attacks and my, um, my trauma symptoms were so, so severe. I honestly thought I was going to die and I had lost everything, my home, my family, my marriage, just everything, my whole life as I had known it. Um, you know, and it's been quite a journey to come back and come home to myself and do what I do now. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm just so grateful for the experience that brought me to my knees because it truly did bring me home to myself in a whole new way and allow me to really live. Yeah, yeah. I'm grateful that you got out the other side too. 
how long was the marriage? If, if the, the, um, you know, the, the period, it was only six months before you married him. How long were you married? And, and I was married for seven years. Years. I was married for seven years. Wow. And spiritual narcissists are so hard to spot because they actually, again, they're using God to say, trust me, I'm safe. Spirituality, I'm so evolved. I'm so developed. I'm so like, you know, into this place where you can trust me. And then everything you, you give your trust to someone as you did in childhood. And um, then their behaviors start to not add up and they say one thing and they do another thing. And, and obviously this is very typical with all narcissists, but the spiritual narcissists have that sort of clout card of, you know, I'm, I'm ordained by God. Listen to me. I, I'm so evolved and spiritual that, that, you know, again, defying me is defying God. Um, and and they're, they're so convincing. I mean, really convincing. And he was, you know, he was a doctor, um, a doctor of main medicine and of natural medicine um, and, and just really highly, highly skilled and highly knowledgeable um, about, you know, many, many things spiritual and, and highly convincing and gained the trust as you say, of a, of, a, of a lot of people. So it's a very um, deceptive thing and, and highly confusing, really confusing, because as you say, they gain people's trust. Right. Um, yeah. And they, they play a virtuous role, right? So what were the signs that like in public, they were one thing? But behind closed doors, the sort of the confusing parts about, wait, you say you're this, you say you're spiritual, and was he lying? Was he cheating? What was the part that was the contradiction that you first noticed? Well, they have different, my, what I experienced was like different personas, mm -hmm. different personas. Mm -hmm. And um, I never knew which person he was going to be. Mm -hmm. So he he could be incredibly loving and kind and attentive you know the person that I'd fallen in love with and then I remember I used to get up out you know in the morning I'd get up before him I've always got up very very early and um, I'd come out into the living room and I would wonder which person is he going to be today and he could be look in my eyes and tell me I'm beautiful and be so loving and kind and do anything for me. And then another day or another hour or even another minute, that's how it was. He would appear and his eyes would be glazed over mm. and like a scowl, his whole demeanor would change like a scowl on his face and he would be really condescending and demeaning and discarding and it, it would just change it was like Dr Jekyll Mr Hyde Dr Jekyll Mr Hyde and then he would go out into the community or with his friends and be this very kind of you know almost like a guru like demeanor and persona and everybody and helping everybody and everybody was and there was a couple of, um, there was one woman in particular that he used to help. And she was actually a former 
girlfriend of his from years ago. And I always had this just feeling about her in the pit of my stomach that there was just something. She, she almost treated him like with a devotion, like with a reverence that to me just felt off. And I used to question him about it. And I used to look at her and I used to feel this energy from her. And again, you know, um, he would just deny it and, um, you know, and say that it was like God's will for him to help her. He would always bring God into everything and every conversation. And this is what I mean. So every conversation, every time I questioned everything anything anytime I you know um wanted to contribute to this spiritual conversation there was no room for my con contribution it was just him and his opinion and that was it there was also I noticed a complete lack of humility or vulnerability or self-reflection mm -hmm. so there was no room for my contribution and there was no self-reflection of so what are his areas that need growth you know there were no there was no room for that it was and narcissist all together yeah. He had it all together. He knew everything. And he really set himself up in this position of guru, spiritual teacher. And there were so many, you know, so many signs, especially when I look back on it now. And my intuition was always screaming out at me. But at the time, I did not know what narcissistic abuse was even. Uh -huh. um, and I was desperate to hold on to my marriage. You know, I was like a little girl, really. I mean, I look back at that person now, you know, that woman. And I feel like a very, very different person. And I have a lot of compassion and empathy for that woman in the corner that was desperately trying to hold on and try and make it work. And, you know, um, it's it's it, it's incredible to me when I think about it all that <laughs> that I'm okay and that I that I I survived and and here I am you know it's it's just an incredible incredible journey but yeah that that was the way that it was. Did he use guilt? I know he was using God in everything, but did he guilt you that your you weren't doing things right or did he yeah. use guilt as a weapon because that's pretty common with the spiritual absolutely mark. yeah i i he made he was always saying that this was all for my evolution and so and making it as though i was failing like if i wasn't you know doing certain things and surrendering and like not having an opinion and just keeping quiet you know if I wasn't doing those things, then I was failing at this evolution that I was supposed to be in. Mm -hmm. And so I constantly felt like I just couldn't do anything right and that I was wrong and that I was bad mm -hmm. um, and that I wasn't, you know, evolved enough and all of that. 
Yeah, it's a it's a horrific mind game. It absolutely is. You know, when you made to feel that your um, that abuse is for your evolution and it's all in the name of God and that God wants this. Mm-hmm. It's um, yeah, it's a horrific. It's horrific. It really well, how does this compare with being brought up in a cult? And of course, that was also religion to a yeah. degree that was used against you. How does it compare? Like, do you see the similarities in in what happened in your childhood? It's very similar. The difference was was that my um, father and my mother actually they're very very simple people. They're not very educated, um, you know, and they're very very simple people and. Um, whereas my husband was highly, highly intelligent. Mm. Um, and they used, and with them, it was religion. You know, my mother, I think, just, um, again, through her own vulnerabilities and codependency, got hooked in to, um, you know, a religious cult, um, you know, and kind of, it's all done by fear you know um and so but when i but but actually you know i mean my my personality wise my father my mother and my husband they're completely different and one is spirituality and one is um you know religion but actually it's all the same stuff it's just stuff you know fear-based stuff um coming from a place of emptiness and powerlessness their own trauma Mm -hmm. um you know and we know that they put on this mask of superiority and grandiosity and you know they you they 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 have weapons that they use to manipulate and control because they need supply you know they need um, they feed on the attention and the our intense emotions to have themselves feel um, powerful and in control. Um, and so it's very clear to me, you know, I see that. I see it very, very clearly. And uh, there are many things. I remember, you know, how I've, I've been able to reflect on it since and the lens that I can see it through now is so different to to how I saw it then but um, I remember a couple of times you know he we we knew some other spiritual teachers and stuff like that and I remember somebody invited him to give a talk somebody that had no idea obviously about (laughs) what I know um, but I just remember there were certain times I saw him become very small. Hmm. And it was as though when he was with somebody that was real hmm. and really was the real deal, he became small and he lost his power. 
And I just remember that. And there was this, I, I just remember this feeling about it. And the, the, yeah, you know, at the time there was a lot of confusion, but I, I just remember it in the pit of my stomach mm. and um, sexually as well. It was very strange. And, you know, he went into all of these weird and wonderful places. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that really all add up. Yeah, of course, in hindsight, when we see it, when we read the books and we go, were you looking in my room? Because I'm pretty sure you know my life. When you read one of these, everything comes true and you're like, I, I felt it. I, I had the, the niggle inside of me that was like, there's something wrong here. The hair on the back of your neck. You know, a lot of victims of abuse get sick, physically sick. Yeah because they're internalizing, they're justifying, they're trying to figure out what the heck's going on. Like you and I were working on, no, we've got to save our marriage. And then our, our inner child and our inner self is going crazy person out there. you know. And we're just like, no, no, no. And so we internalize and we end up getting very sick after all of these sort of things. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah. I got, I got, you know, and I had always been incredibly physically healthy, always, all my life. But when I, in the aftermath of narcissistic abuse, I started, I got Bell's palsy, first of all, on my face. For, for a while all of a sudden just completely out of the blue then I got a neck problem and um you know things are, are much much better now my hair fell out in clumps you know oh my uh, goodness yeah it has it has a huge a huge impact it's a real it's it's highly highly traumatizing and um, you know that trauma is living in our bodies and when it's unattended and you know we're living purely in survival um, that it eventually will lead to disease and breakdown of the of the physical body yeah so this is a good lead into does everyone need to go to Bali because I am so signed up if, if I'm gonna you know go to Bali and heal does everyone need to go to Bali how did you eventually heal from all of this because you look great your hair isn't falling out and um you're, you're now. I'm a lot better now well I had been to Bali somewhere is Bali somewhere that I'd been quite a few times before and I just knew that I didn't want to stay in um, America. I didn't want to be anywhere near him at that time. Um, I didn't want to come back to the UK because of, you know, relations with my family. Um, so, and I, I just knew that Bali was a very, very safe place to be. So yeah, I, I went to Bali and it really is. It has a very, very special energy about it. You almost feel like you're being held by the land. You know, it's an amazing place. And um, I was there for two years um, and just, you know, met a lot of beautiful people. Um, but during that time, when I first went, I must tell you this story because this is very relevant actually. When I first left um, my husband in California, I, I still had no idea that I had been abused. You know, well, I knew something was very wrong, but I didn't know what it was. 
and I, but I was in a very, very bad way. And for the first few months, I actually kept in contact with him. He would call me all the time. And all I ever saw then was the loving and kind side to him. You know, that all I, that's all I ever saw. And um, anyway, there was one day when I was talking to him on the phone and I got this physical reaction in my body. It's like my arms and my hands started tingling, really tingling. And in that moment, I had this huge kind of aha that my mind was telling me that this is safe. He's being very loving and kind. But my body was telling me this isn't safe. Mm -hmm. This isn't safe. Mm -hmm. And that was really the beginning of me going no contact and really starting to listen to my body. And um, it was some months after that that I read a book. It was called Out of the Fog. Mm -hmm. And it was all about narcissistic abuse. And I read this book and it was, goodness me, I mean, it was just like reading my own story. And I've heard so many people say this, um, since, you know, since then, it's like somewhere along the ride, it's like, you know, it's just like somebody's telling me my story and I couldn't deny it anymore. I just couldn't, you know, there was no denying it. Um, and I was in a very, very bad way. The aftershock of narcissistic abuse had really hit me and I was having huge panic attacks and I could barely function. Um, and I really thought about taking my life at that time. I really, really did. It was severe, really severe. Um, and, but I found support. I've, I, you know, I've been very, very grateful that I've, I've, I've in spite of everything, I've, I've found beautiful people that have supported me. And as I was saying earlier, it was really about going into my body and meeting the unresolved trauma, the original trauma that had me susceptible to narcissistic abuse, the trauma from my childhood. It was about really going in to meet that trauma and to release it out of my body. And alongside that, it was about really connecting, you know, with, my, with these traumatized parts of myself, with my younger self, and forming a whole new connection with those parts of myself and giving myself everything that I had been trying to get from him, you know, the love and the nurturing and the cherishing and the acceptance and the approval and that was a real process so the combination of building that connection building trust with myself you know really feeling my feelings fully not avoiding them not distracting from them not getting into addictions which you know we are kind of taught to do in our society but really feeling my feelings meeting that trauma um, and releasing it out of out of my body and all of the, the trauma that was generating the beliefs about myself mm -hmm. um, you know the I'm not good enough that I'm alone the 
I don't matter, you know, all of those beliefs about myself. And it, it was a real process. It didn't happen, certainly didn't happen overnight, you know, and I'm still very, very committed to expanding and growing and becoming the best version of myself that I can be. So that's how I, uh, that's how I healed. And a lot of that was in Bali. Um, yeah, yeah. And then you formed your love is always kind business, right? Yeah. So I want to tell everyone about that a little bit. Yeah, I'll just tell you as well that when I was in Bali, I also wrote an album because uh, I'm also a singer songwriter and I wrote an album called Met by Grace, which really takes um, the listener on a journey um, from darkness and despair to the joy of healing and self-love coming home to ourselves so it really and that was written in Bali and then I started to form my business which is called love is always kind I love that because you know love is always kind real love is always kind and if it's not kind it's not real love right so and you know and God is always kind as well and and that was an important thing for me getting in touch with my own connection with divine and love and source energy and my own connection with God after all of this stuff in my in my life from my childhood and my marriage so yeah love is always kind um you know is programs and coaching and healing for women who have suffered the pain of narcissistic abuse um as well as inspiration inspiration through music um, and I do performances as well where people come together and hear my story through my music um, and receive you know coaching and healing and and events and workshops both online and live um, and just a safe space you know women need to feel very safe a safe space and a community with other women who really understand because unless we've experienced narcissistic abuse we really can't begin to understand with all the best will in the world and it can be very very isolating and lonely that you know as I've experienced myself because people don't understand you know unless they've been through it they don't understand they couldn't possibly and it's not their fault you know I wouldn't have understood unless I'd been through it mm -hmm. um and so we really need a safe place and a community with people that do understand and, and you know where we are seen and heard and understood mm -hmm. and so that's what I provide with um, love is always kind so. wow Yes, you are doing amazing work. And I strongly recommend that people go to your website. We'll put the URL across the bottom here. Um, and, and they can hear you sing and they can get your music and look up more information about what you offer and um, get on their own journey. You're back in the UK now? I'm back in the UK. I have American citizenship. So I kind of my intention is to come between the, the two and a bit of barley thrown in because I just love <laughs> barley and it has a, such a special place in my heart. So I, I just love it so much. I was due to do a retreat there actually for, for women 
um, that of course had to get cancelled because of the pandemic. But I very much hope to do retreats there in the future. Yeah. Very nice. Well, thank you so much, Julianne, for being with me today and giving us a little bit of your journey with a spiritual narcissist because it's different. And I think people need to understand and know that they can get over this, that they can heal, they can find themselves often in a better way than we ever knew ourselves before. And absolutely. absolutely. My, my tagline is heal and soar high after narcissistic abuse. And I really believe that we don't have to just be survivors and victims. We can really thrive and soar, you know, and be free and be who we were meant to be in the world. Exactly. Exactly. Be a surf thriver, because that's my word that I, I have my little bracelets here. Look, sir thriver. I got it on my arm because it reminds me every day that I'm not just a victim. I'm not just a survivor. But I think when we give back and we help others who don't, you know, have a way out, that we become a survivor. We're giving back. And um, thank you so much for being one. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be with you.